My name is Nate Mickle. You're listening to Mickles and Dimes Layer 2, where every interview is dedicated to the simple, the practical, and the underappreciated. Jessica Kennedy is a professor at the University of Vanderbilt, where she teaches ethics and negotiation. As a teacher, she has been named among the best 40 under 40 professors by poets and quants. As a researcher, her work has been covered by outlets such as the Wall Street Journal, NPR, Business Week, Fast Company, New York Magazine, and Time. Jessica earned an undergraduate degree from the Wharton School, University of Pennsylvania, and a PhD from the University of California, Berkeley. I hope you enjoy learning from Jessica Kennedy, because I always do. Jessica, it's great to catch up with you today. Though we have never worked together, our paths have crisscrossed a few times as I've worked with a number of Berkeley people who you have worked with uh, when you were at Berkeley. And I had previously applied for and interviewed for jobs at Vanderbilt, where you're currently at. Of course, we do similar research and we teach similar classes. So it's great to catch up with you today. Oh, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk with you. Well, as you think back on your research, are there two to three simple, practical, underappreciated lessons you've learned that you'd most like to pass along to others? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, especially when I'm like talking with executives about the research, it's become clearer to me, like the things that people really need to know in practice. And like one of the most common questions that I get from people navigating organizational issues around um, gender, you know, is in essence, like, what does the research show about how I can fix these people? You know, like I'm having a problem with my boss, um, you know, what do I do to like, get this person to stop discriminating against me. And there's really like a lot of focus on changing other people. And, you know, I think this is where the idea that bias is unconscious and it's pervasive, is like actually not very helpful because when I look in my data at discriminatory behavior, it's usually driven by like 10 to 15% of the sample giving relatively extreme reactions. And so while that's not to deny that unconscious bias exists and we should be aware of it, a lot of the situations that I hear about that are really damaging to people um, are situations where like they need to leave. And so I think it might actually be helpful to know that a lot of the data actually, when I look at it, show that it's like a small percentage and we don't wanna try to fix those people if we wanna use a market solution because the majority of people are not in that sample. We could definitely go out and kind of try to be resourceful and resilient and like find a new opportunity. Just like if we were in say an abusive relationship, we wouldn't stick around like trying to fix the other person, you know, we would leave. And so I think that's one thing that's come out of the data that I like hope is really helpful um, to women in those situations. You know, another thing that I think um, is probably helpful to them is to realize that while you know lost pay or like potentially forgotten promotions are definitely an issue and it's a reason to leave these situations sooner a lot of like the ongoing damage i think happens to people's motivation and it comes from the beliefs that being in those situations and still in the women themselves and so i think a lot of the healing that comes 
is about leaving and getting into a healthier situation. And then it's about looking at those beliefs that like a toxic organization created in you and fixing those, you know, becoming like a more accurate mirror to yourself. Um, so those are the things that kind of come to mind from my research that I hope help women who are not in good work situations. I think this is really interesting. And I've not heard this data, Jessica. So are you saying then that in these organizations, it's not that people don't have unconscious biases. Sure, people have biases. And I, I teach ethics. And this week, we've been talking about some of the biases that we have. Um, but are you saying that when women are facing discrimination in the workplace, in order to overcome that or to find um, a great place to work, it isn't so much as important as trying to cure or teach about biases as it is identify the people who may really be holding you back. And if you're in an organization where you are being held back because of your gender, the likelihood is that it's these minority group of ex people with extreme discriminatory behaviors? Or how do you think about that in, in, in the workplace? Yeah, you know, I think that the unconscious bias research is like certainly important. And we can use structures and processes to try to eliminate its impact on our decisions. So I think that's why we've heard a lot about it. But I think it has just had this like unintended negative consequence of leaving people um, unsure of what to do when they're in situations where it's not that you know they're being recommended for more say stereotypically feminine roles or um that the bias against them that they're telling me about it's not small it's not you know slight it's not unconscious it's much more of like a full-blown um, obfuscation of like bad intentions, you know, for instance, someone who's performing really well, but evokes a lot of threat, uh, you know, is then given like a, a notice of poor performance. And maybe her boss acknowledges like, hey, you know, someone else wants me to sign this and wants me to ask you to sign this. I don't really believe in this, but, you know, look, this is what they want me to do. And then you figure out like, well, it's because they don't want to give me carried interest at this private equity fund, or they don't want to give me this promotion and they're trying to cover their tracks. Like I hear about more extreme situations. And I think that when people think, well, this is just what people are like to women, then like they're not motivated to go out and leave when there are better opportunities out there. And so I just think differentiating like extremely intentional toxic behavior from unconscious bias is a worthwhile thing to do because we can navigate unconscious bias with one set of solutions, but sometimes we really do need to get serious about more, um, you know, extreme reactions, I think, not just staying in the job and trying to navigate it when we see more overt bias. And, and that's what I hear from executives just way, way too often that they're facing more overt like types of bias in their organizations. Okay, so yeah, I think I got it then. So the the unconscious bias, if if you're being held back by unconscious bias, then that's uh, there's a whole set of kind of processes and solutions that you'd want to implement. But if it's these extreme versions of discrimination, trying to use the solutions uh, that we would use for unconscious bias are not going to work because it's not unconscious bias in many of these instances. It's overt just discriminatory, toxic behavior. And so you'd, there would be a different set of solutions, which 
might include actually just leaving and, and finding a, a better place to work. Mm-hmm. And I just hope people maintain hope that like that that is possible. It's possible to do that. The pervasiveness of unconscious bias doesn't make that impossible. Yeah, great. Okay, any other lessons that you'd like to share today? You know, the other thing that's been on my mind has really um, been about the way that we're so polarized right now and talking about DEI issues. Like, I'm really worried that the polarization is going to kind of tear the country apart. And this is one of the key issues where we really see it. And I think that is unnecessary because historically, equality of opportunity was something that like Republicans and Democrats, liberals and conservatives, like both cared about because we recognize that if we're going to have hierarchies and we're going to have inequality in society, well, then we need to be sure that we've been thoughtful about um, how we are allocating power and status and opportunity, and there needs to be mobility. And that used to be something I think we all recognized. We would disagree about whether doing the right things would lead to a quality of outcome. And I think it's just worth realizing that there was that historical debate, um, but it's not that DEI issues are like only a liberal issue. Like if you're trying to create an equitable, stable society, then we all need to be concerned about whether equality of opportunity for people with similar skills, similar abilities um, is available. So I'd really like to kind of bring that concept back into the dialogue. Yeah, you know, if you ask people, uh, and I don't know, I'm assuming there's data on this, but if you ask people, you know, how much are you in favor of equality of opportunity? I would imagine, to your point, the vast majority of people would say, yes, we want everyone to have great opportunities and everybody have the opportunity to thrive. It, it makes me think of an interview I had recently with John Busenbach at Notre Dame, and he was finding that in some of his research, we think that we like the people we like and we dislike the people that we don't like. And as he especially finds this in politics. But in reality, we yeah, we like the people we like but we tend to hate the people we dislike. And, and so the magnitude of difference is much lo- larger on the side of hate. It just seems like in the social media world where uh, we don't interact with people face to face and we just do it through text, we dehumanize them as we talk about you know, in ethics, and then it just leads to so much more division where we start fighting over things that in reality, we probably agree about but there's some dehumanization, and and then because it's a contentious, difficult topic, uh, we we tend to hate these people uh, because we don't really appreciate them for being human and, and interact with them on a personal level. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to imagine hating other people. Gosh, that's a that's a big problem. I look forward to hearing about his his data, but that's um a sad trend. Yeah, just the magnitude is just, uh, and he said, it, you especially find this in politics, where uh, when people um, think about the, the uh, you know, if they're part of one party and they think about the other party, it, it's not that they dislike them, it's that the dislike is becomes really strong to the point of, he said, uh, you know, the, the word hate uh, comes to mind. So um, any, any other thoughts you'd like to wrap up with? Uh, no, I know, I think that will do it. Well, Jessica, I really appreciate your time. 
Um, it, it's so great to be able to chat with you as we have so, so many overlapping interests. I look forward to sharing these lessons with my students and my children and try to remember these as well. And I uh, just want to thank you again for sharing your time with me today. Thank you for doing this. It's really a gift to have this record. I look forward to watching other people's. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mickles and Dimes. Jessica Kennedy strives to conduct research that makes an impact, and I love the lesson she shared today. First, some people are held back in their careers by the unconscious bias of others, but some people are held back by the intentional discrimination of others. Learning to differentiate between the two is crucial, because the solutions to the former are not the same as the solutions to the latter. Specifically, if you're the victim of overt and or intentional discrimination, it may be best to just leave the situation, rather than staying to try to fix the problem. Second, our country is becoming more polarized over important issues, including issues of DEI. However, historically our country was united around the goal of equality of opportunity, specifically for people with similar skills and abilities. By focusing on the areas we agree about, we may be able to return to a place where we work together to create a stable society where everyone can thrive. In summary, sometimes we should exit situations that are bad for us, but other times we should work together to find common ground. It's a simple idea, please take it seriously. Nate Mickle here with three quick requests. First, if you would like a quick summary of these lessons delivered to your inbox, sign up for Nate's Notes at natemickle.com. Second, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others. And finally, if you'd give this podcast a five-star review on Apple iTunes, I would really appreciate it. Thanks for your support.